Check, check, check. This is the Blaze the Lion podcast. I am your host, Blaze, Blaze the Lion, Blaze Doctari. And here we interview inspiring, empowering folks who have found their purpose, who are walking in their purpose, and who are blazing their purpose. Why not? Why not? So every week, you'll hear from different people from all over the world, from the music industry, entertainment industry, from education, from business owners, entrepreneurs, from the youth, activists, anyone making a difference, anyone walking in their purpose. That's who we would love to highlight at the Blazing Line Podcast. If you are loving the movement, of course you're loving the movement. <laughs> Feel free to share, right? Share this episode on your social media platforms. Share it on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, any of those platforms, we would highly appreciate it. You just never know if one of these episodes may not be for you or may not resonate right now, but it could be someone who you know that this is exactly what they need, divine timing. So walk in that. And also, if you're loving the movement, feel free to give us your money. Uh-huh. We have three tiers on the Blaze Alarm podcast. From 99 cents a month to $5 every month to $10 every month. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm slash blaze the lion slash support and become a monthly contributor. You get perks of being that as well. You get apparel, Blaze Line podcast shirts. You get access to upcoming seminars and workshops on how to blaze your purpose. You become a VIP. Very important. Purposely. So be down with the squad, be down with the team, be down with the movement. Now, for today, today is very special. Why? Because you're alive, damn it. You mm -hmm. are breathing. You have air in your lungs. You got out of bed this morning, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that challenge and those challenges. And I know the bills. I know all of that. But this is a very important day because you're alive and you have purpose inside of you. And the answers are right there. They're not over there, they're right here. Secondly, today marks the 100th episode of the Blaze the Lion podcast. Woo, 100. Imagine that, never saw this coming. So I'd like to hold space right now and just to celebrate that accomplishment. <sighs> Truly, 100. With that said, for today, I felt it was only right to have today's guest on. And this is someone here who, whether he realizes it or not, he's a powerhouse. Whether he realizes it or not, he is a man called to make a huge impact on this world. Absolutely. This is someone who has gone through ups and downs all through his life. This is someone who is a leader and in his job, in his profession and outside, he's been able to lead, to inspire, to empower others through being judged 
through being misunderstood. This is someone who is resilient. Hmm. This is someone who is a visionary. Hmm. And in my opinion, I feel this is someone who is truly humble. You rarely see leaders and visionaries that are humble. Usually you see leaders, you see abundance, you see wealth, and you see arrogance, right? You see ego. But this is someone here who is stepping out of the norm. Someone here who has inspired so many. And I know that today you all will be truly blessed by this person. Holding a suspense. So for today, I introduce today's guest for our 100th episode is none other than Juan Manuel Valera. Welcome to the pod, my brother. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed and so thankful to be here on this 100th episode, my brother. Blessings yes. and a lot of continued success and inspiring for you. Yes, yes, yes. So I gave my short intro of yourself, but feel free so, uh, share with the people. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful introduction. I've, I've never been introduced like that, but um, if I were to ever write an introduction for myself, I may steal that one for sure. Um, so my name is Juan Manuel Valera III. I am uh, what I consider myself just a lifelong student of, of human culture, human interaction, human behavior. I am obsessed with teams. I am obsessed with whatever it takes to get individuals and teams alike um, to greater and better levels, um, being down in the trenches with them. And I am obsessed with the idea that through thought and discipline and consistency, we can actually be so unstoppable and we can speak to our DNA and make it do incredible things to help us serve this this bigger conscience, this 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 conscious unity that that, that it's a universe, that it's God. And I think um like you and I have spoken in the past, we are all born with a particular mission and trajectory. And once we open ourselves to it, we start getting like really, really incredible signs. Mm -hmm. And we feel this resonance. And um, that's how, in a way, I met you. I felt the resonance with your messages, and I just needed to communicate and 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 be around it. So, um, you know, I grew up in the Dominican Republic. That's where my family is from. DR. In DR, yeah. Um, you know, my my dad was a Vietnam vet, um, and um, when he got retired, and I was like two months old, I was born in, in Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, but I went to DR and then I came back here in the mid nineties. Um, and ever since then I've been obsessed with, with languages, cultures, um, the way different people think, the way different ethnicities, um, celebrate, um, and the, the resilience. And it's a word that you use of, of the human brain of, of the human spirit, which is probably the most resilient thing in this world other than like mother nature is the, the human spirit. That's that's the stuff that drives me. And I, you know, you mentioned um, waking up today and having oxygen in our lungs to give thanks for. I always um, somebody taught me something very important many, many years ago. And it says something along the lines of if you were to wake up with whatever and whomever you gave thanks for the day before, 
Mm. Who and what would you wake up next to? Mm. And I like to think that if you have like just a minute to give thanks for every blessing that you have in your life, every opportunity, every lesson yeah. that may not look as a blessing, then that next day you will wake up with the rewards of those people, of those things, and of those lessons. That's in short what I feel. Mm. I love that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into a few keywords. First one is leader. What is your definition of a leader? And uh, well, let's start there. So a lot of people may may not visualize or, or have a, an opinion of leadership in this way. Uh, to me, to be a leader is to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I I learned that early in, in my careers when I started um, working in hospitality. Um, and, you know, there's there's things like the spirit to serve. And, and, you know, when you look at individuals sitting down at a concierge desk or, or a bellman or a bellhop, or somebody opening an elevator, or even somebody um, doing an, an incredible wedding. Uh, to me, a leader is someone that serves his team, his company, his organization, his country. Let's be honest, humankind, um, with complete, um, uh, like with with not holding anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, is when when you're a leader, you serve those you lead. Um, you're not better than them. Um, if anything, many of them are actually teaching you uh, as a leader. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you are in a mission that you yourself do not know where it is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you make the mistake of thinking yourself ahead of anyone that's that, that you're leading, anyone in your battalion, anyone in your platoon, anyone, in, um, then that's when you start making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you serve each and every one of those people. And if you are obsessed enough with the idea, you start filling in the blanks of things that you know would make them better people. I, I always felt that um, my flavor of leadership had to do a lot with um, the Swiss cheese holes that people have. Mm. Little Swiss cheese holes. And you you carry within yourself like a peg and you're like, you know what, this this could make you better. Um, and I also believe that um, leaders have to have the honesty and the transparency to sometimes know that they don't have the answer. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of trial and error. Um, and you have to have compassion, compassion with those you lead, compassion with yourself. Um, you cannot also be obsessed with their idea about you or their opinion about you because Mm -hmm. as a leader sometimes you are almost obliged to make unpopular decisions Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that um sometimes leaders go to bed at night wondering whether you know they second guess themselves um but if you remember that you are serving those people that, that have chosen you or have you know been given to you as their leader um and you keep the focus on them and you invest in them and you pour in them and you train them and you forgive them 
because there will be trespasses. Mm-hmm. It will happen. Yeah. Um, you will, you yourself will probably be, and this is very interesting is, I think leaders are heavily rewarded if they keep their eyes open mm-hmm. um, because that entire team, that entire organization, that division, they're all pouring into you constantly. It's it's one pouring into many, but that's yeah. many pouring into one. If you're able to have that channel and that bridge, mm-hmm. um, and and grateful leadership or servant leadership, it's it's a concept. It's it's been out for some time. Yeah. It's it's the idea that these individuals have been entrusted to you. They um, they're not yours. Um, you don't control their life through scheduling. <laughs> You definitely do not punish them through the schedule, you know. So, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to some nuggets there. Um, And I've always believed that any individual that that per se uh, I I am leading, um, there's there's a level of leadership that they're willing to accept based on how open they are. And even someone that is one percent open to your leadership, well, you pour into that one percent channel that they have. Um, because that, that is the responsibility that you accepted as a leader. And that's also a a, a way I believe to connect with the divine and be grateful. I've always believed that, um, incredible tasks have been, um, per se, like lent to me to, to, to try to do something magnificent with it. Uh, but in return, I have to pour into all those souls that are there trying to figure out whether I'm getting it right or not. And 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 the idea is they're the ones getting it right. I'm if anything, I'm course correcting and at times we're both or all of us making a mistake at the same time. Um, but you can never walk around with the idea that you're ungrateful to those people. Um, you also don't know the impact you make on them. You see, as I speak right now, there is reality. Mm-hmm. And then there is the reality that I project over what's actually happening. And sometimes as a leader, there is reality, like what actually took place. And then what my brain actually projects through my eyes, almost on top of that same film. And what's interesting is you never know what movie they left with, but you see them five, six years later and they're like, Mr. Juan. (laughs) And, and I'm like, Oh, Hey, how are you? And they tell you, Wow, I I love those days. I miss those days. That was great. And you probably thought, well, I, I didn't even know I got through that person. Like I, yeah. I and that's so a leader requires to step out of him or herself and realize that um because we, we may become obsessed with the idea of leading and um we have no idea the impact. And because we have no idea the impact, we have to be extremely cautious and careful with our words. Um, that right there leads me to accountability, right? What better tool, right? What better catalyst to your elevation, to your ascension uh, than accountability? So I want to dive more into leadership. Um, but as we talk about leadership, I want you to be transparent. What mistakes have you made? Have you felt you've made um, as a leader? Oh, oh my God, tons! <laughs> um, I speaking too soon. 
Mm. Um, giving up on people mm. um, that has happened um, at times, even um, once more, assuming uh, a momentaneous reality is like permanent, mm. as in, well, this employee has proven time and time again that this is like a hardship for them. They're not able to um, to successfully, you know, deliver this. Right. Um, and then realizing that that's, we project as leaders onto our employees. It's almost as, you know, uh, uh, as parents. So I'll give you an example. Between the time a child is born and around three years old, as parents, and, and you, you have children, I have children, we encourage them incredibly. We encourage them so much that already from the moment they're born to the time they're three, they can, some of them may be able to dress themselves. They definitely are able to walk. They're definitely able to run. They're able to somewhat feed themselves. They're able to sit down in a chair, things that they couldn't do as a baby. Yeah. And that comes as a result of several things. A, they mimic us. They receive a ton of encouragement. The problem is once they get to a particular age, they start hearing the word no a lot more often from us because now that they're somewhat stable, now they can get themselves in trouble. Mm -hmm. And as leaders, not that we need to ever patronize and treat employees like children, why wouldn't we give the same encouragement to an employee that we give a three-month-old baby when we celebrate that they were able to post themselves up in bed or they're able to crawl or they took their first few steps, yeah. or they successfully got 80% of that pasta in their stomach and 20% on their face. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting. No baby is ever embarrassed about how they look. Why? Because they see a face of pride in their parent as, oh my God, you're, you did so good. And you know, here's a, here's a reward. Yeah. So as a leader, I sometimes fail to realize that some people are in a different timeline. Um, you know, it's very hard for an employee to be able to 100% consistently, repeatedly do the same task at the same level of perfection every day because there's an emotional component. Mm -hmm. So to me, failure to give that wiggle room. Um, and also, sometimes mistake has been believing too much in an employee. Mm -hmm. My idea that I project because one of the biggest, I would say, sins that I have as a leader is I have this notion that everyone wants to be rescued, that everyone wants to be taught, that everyone wants to learn, that everyone wants to be carried. And some people are just happy performing a task at satisfactory levels. Mm -hmm. um, they may not want to be held to a higher standard because they're not interested in elevating themselves to a different level, you know, yeah. pun intended. And, um, and, and being able to understand and cope with that, that that's a human being and you have to respect them. Um, the idea, we live in a society where we are constantly bombarded with the idea of people always want to improve themselves. People want to be better. Self-improvement, you know, better diets, better food. Uh, you know, we were actually just talking. So what do you put in your smoothie? You know, what kind yeah. of seeds? Yeah. Um, what kind of fruits are those? So the notion that somebody would be happy with the mediocre breakfast and you go home and you're like, why can't this person just eat better? Why can't they just behave better? Um, hmm. Because sometimes as leaders, you get really vested in them. And they're yours for eight hours. And take away an hour of their own break. Um, 
not everyone wants to get inspired, mm-hmm. you know? So sometimes where I will be in a meeting and I'm trying to get like that eye contact and realize that somebody's yawning at something I'm saying, and I'm like, oh, don't be mad at them. Maybe they're not there yet. Or maybe what you said is not that interesting. It's not, they're not on that part of their journey yet. So don't be so harsh on yourself mm-hmm. because the world doesn't revolve around you, the leader, sure. Sure. you know? So sure. that's a, that's one of those nuggets that I learned. Like, cause I would, I would really take it to heart. Like I would really um, say, why, why is it that in this morning stand-up meeting, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to get with them? Like I actually practiced this. I wanted to say this. I wanted to impact their lives. Yeah. And that's another thing: not, not learning that sometimes things marinate in people's brains differently. That's, that's <laughs> exactly. It. It's it's seeds planted. Yeah. So you're not going to always get that immediate reaction. Sometimes you'll get rejection they're not trying to hear it like and then a year later invisible progress it's uh or it clicks later for other people um also um another mistake as a leader that i've made is probably um one of the hardest things for me to gauge is passion um culturally uh, uh, I come from a country that's extremely passionate, very friendly, very um, loves to connect. Um, we we care very little for personal space. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like we're Dominican. Like I think we invented a couple of the dances that are like there's no space. Um, we're very warm. Uh, we have a lot of humor. So sometimes um, people may not understand um, why you're being funny about this because it's not funny. Um, so. <laughs> I think um, that can cause issues. Yes, uh, if if you know if you if you're working in a more in an environment that's a lot like stricter. Yeah. Um, even being in South Florida, where there's such a, a huge mix of, of cultures, mm-hmm. um, sometimes being too passionate, it's early in the morning for them. And do you really need to bring all that in right now? Like, having my coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Some. So <laughs> you know, learning learning how to gauge that. Learning. Um, so easing into. Um, some people, um, but the best lesson is the human soul never ceases to amaze me. Mm-hmm. They, um, even when they're initially the, even when the employee is rejecting you, yeah. their soul is listening. Yeah. They, they are gathering and, um, and I'll give you a personal story about that, of, of why I say about the soul is listening. Um, so about a year ago, my, my, my father passed away. He had, um, Alzheimer's for, he was battling Alzheimer's for eight years and, um, not too far from here, actually in Miramar. Um, he lived in a special place uh, for veterans and it was a beautiful place. It was like a military museum. And, um, there's this great lady. I think she just did this as volunteer work. She was at the receptionist desk and I would see her every Sunday that I would go visit him. And, um, she asked me one day, so how's your dad doing? And I said, well, you know, he doesn't remember me. But he does remember he has a younger child, which is me. But he just doesn't really remember me. Um, and, you know, I try feeding him and he's not really responsive. So I was kind of giving her like every justification as to why I didn't want to keep coming. Mm-hmm. Because I was taking it personal. Yeah, yeah. And she says, so he doesn't recognize you, huh? And I say, no, you know, I, I just sit there. I play music for him. Sometimes he'll react. And she says, do you know that his spirit does know that you're there? 
And that like hit me. And she says, even though physically, mentally, consciously, it doesn't seem like he's reacting to your presence, his spirit knows that you're there. And I believe sometimes with employees or with with colleagues, right? Because listen, um, sometimes we're leaders of people that haven't been given to us to lead. (laughs) We just... It's literally the person you cross at the coffee station. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the the defense, it's really the ego. Yeah, yeah. But then their spirit um, speaks loudly to them. And, and I've always said to myself, sometimes you have a conversation with somebody in the car and they're like driving and they're ignoring you. And you're telling them all these things. That conversation is loudest once you leave the car. Yeah. And then you step away, it's like it plays back in their mind, like bass, mm-hmm. bass boosted, you know, mm-hmm. like super loudly. So, computers. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, we play back how we want to play back things because we, we visually project on top of the film and we also put a little audio oh, yeah. on top of the film, you know. Yeah, we so. take our triggers and our trauma and we're like, oh, yeah, we, we, I can't believe one said this. <laughs> I just asked the question. (laughs) I want to put some sauce onto that question um, regarding mistakes as a leader. So my sauce is, it can be red sauce, it can be chocolate sauce, whatever. Let's get saucy. Let's get saucy. Let's get saucy right now. (laughs) What mistakes have you made as a leader or how have you dealt with the mistakes you've made as a leader, especially when you're getting pressure from the top? Oh, um, hmm. well, one of the one of the things that I would say is, um, like, how do you pour into somebody when? Your directors and your bosses are like time, yeah, numbers. Time, numbers, yeah. Um, what are you doing? So, I've sometimes felt as someone that's holding a very poor shield mm. from the higher ups, and it could be good. And by the way, that's our second brain. So sometimes we think through there. Yeah. You you feel that you buy that person time. <laughs> Sometimes you make a mistake if you bought them too much time, you know, in, in sales, for example, which is what I did for many years. Um, uh, there's there's monthly quotas, there's weekly quotas or daily quotas, however you want to see a quota is a quota. At some point it has to begin, it has to end. Yeah. And sometimes I have a formula. Uh, so well, if you give this person X amount of time and they do X amount of activities, they're going to be able to yield X amount of results. And sometimes the formula applies to maybe 80% of your workforce. But once in a while you come around and you're like, oh, my God, I just found this diamond in the rough. If I could just buy them time. So um, one of those mistakes that I've made is I've been known to really defend my employees um, to the point that it could be counterproductive for me. Um, it bought me incredible loyalty yeah. for my employees. Yeah. Um, now, loyalty doesn't pay the bills, hmm. but I can tell you when you walk out the door, you get respect. Um, and hmm. within the mistakes I've made where higher ups have 
demanded or said, hey, listen, we're, we're holding you accountable to this, your team. You said you were going to guarantee this and it didn't happen. Um, one of the one of the things and, and I, I was always been very good about saying, well, I don't know. You know, like I, I thought I knew, but obviously I don't know. I'm not going to make things up. I don't I don't I'm not a believer in making things along the way. But doing a small parenthesis within the mistakes I've done as a leader, it's also not apologizing fast enough to an employee when I recognize that that I thought wrong or that I prescribed the wrong prescription per se to a problem or I, you know, judge too fast or giving up on them. You know, it's one of those things um, uh, because there's some positions where you're not really pouring into the employees every day, but there's other positions where you are not only checking their work, but you're also the one inspiring them. You're the one motivating them. You're the one trying to elevate them. Um, so I have made the mistake of always being a salesman to my higher-ups about my team because I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Um, I've Believing in people, it's interesting because once you believe in someone, your prefrontal cortex is like, well, I'm going to take a break because you're, this is reality. You, know, you believe in this, so you don't need any proof. <laughs> you know, and the prefrontal cortex um, usually is the one that would allow you to think in a more rational fashion about some things. You know, so there comes the passion. Sometimes, you know, leading with my amygdala <laughs> versus leading with what the Excel sheet is showing. Mm -hmm. um, Damn Excel sheet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, that's that. Um, and and you know, um, that's 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 probably one of the hardest things. Like like you know, if, if you want to say what's what's the sauce there, um, it's also um, in in my in my regards, since I come from a very military background, yeah, I had a very hard time, um, not disobeying but defying rank. In other words, so for all of you that are looking to be aspiring leaders, um, <laughs> we're cooking live. For all of you that are, that are looking to be aspiring leaders, one of the mistakes that I made was I thought that every leader I came across, I would come across, would be like me would be interested in rescuing me, elevating me, teaching me, guiding me. I, I learned in a very innocent way, a very naive way, is that, you know, a badge doesn't make a leader. A position doesn't make, well, that's a position doesn't make a leader. Yeah. Um, so the idea that people were going to carry me through just how I do with my team, um, it's, I don't know, there's probably a rule about like the, maybe you call it the mirror rule. I thought that like leadership was mirroring, mirroring me. Um, and no, not very few, actually, people that I came across had the same level of passion of investing in their employees or even in me as I had to the point, And I think it's a very good question that you asked is my leaders were always perplexed about what, how my colleagues um, voted me versus my team. Mm -hmm. My teams were always voting me like excellently well, like incredible. Oh, my God, he's he's inspiring his whatever. Um, my colleagues would sometimes be like, I think he's a little arrogant. I think he's a little this. I think he's a little that. And um, and then my higher ups, they're like, well, you know, he's very passionate. And and I and I always had to live with that disjunctive thing of having 
a team that loves me or I believe that loves me and they're loyal. Yeah. Colleagues that are like, yeah, but he could be a little bit too much, um, you know, and higher ups that they're like, well, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't know how to how to channel his energy. Um, so not everyone subscribes to the same idea of leadership that you do. That's a big mistake. You know, 100 percent. Absolutely. Yeah. As leaders and I lead for those who may not know. I mean, how could you not know? See the arrogance coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a leader myself, from in the fitness industry, been in the industry for nearly two decades, uh, from hiring staff to, I mean, I've, I've I've felt I've been a leader since I could probably walk. Uh, I didn't realize it then, when I got into adulthood and I looked back, I was like, oh. Oh, okay. I realized that all my friends on the block, they all came to my house and we had our meetings on what we're going to do for that day, you mm -hmm. know, for over the summer. And so I realized from youth, I've always been a leader. Um, but it's so important as leaders to find release. Yes. Because we, if you take all the passion, all right, that you have, if you take the wear and tear, the fatigue of you holding that shield up, right, to defend your team, if you take explaining to the higher-ups why you're defending your team, all right, and you're taking all the emotions from everyone that you interact with, everyone that you try to inspire and empower, you take all those emotions, all that energy, all the trauma, all the movies that they are playing in the head and they're giving you clips of those movies. You take all of that and you get in the car and your brain is like, oh. how the hell, where do we put all this stuff? And as a family man, many times it's not instant. Like you get in the car or you get home and it's not necessarily instant where like, okay, well, I'm a dad now. Let me, you know, sometimes you're still at the office even though you're home. I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you're still at the office. You're still at work, even though physically you're not there. So how do you release? Um, so that's you brought such good points there. And there's uh, so much that, that I think I could say. But one of the things that I... Um, I, will, I would call it a release, but it's more a discipline is I've been doing martial arts for years. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a fourth degree um, traditional Taekwondo, which is very different. Bringing the wooden boards. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing the real wooden boards, <laughs> like from Home Depot. Uh, yeah, that's not where they get those. Uh, mm -hmm. we, 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 be breaking, <laughs> we be breaking Home Depot boards. Um, uh, I did... Early, early in my years, maybe 2006 and, and 2010, I also did um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was always obsessed with um, the idea of, of of martial arts, even just military arts itself. Um, so I believe everyone needs a practice that lends that lends them a, a that lends them a lens into who they are and what um, I apologize, like what triggers them what 
And, and why is that? Because if you're not able to introspect, um, if you're not able to control your breathing, if you're powerful as a leader, let's say, and you're not able to measure your power and you yield it ruthlessly, you may you may break someone's like like self-esteem. Yeah. Um and it's interesting sometimes and, and I'm gonna mention something you mentioned about going home and being a, a father. I remember, you know, my I have a 22 year old daughter, and um I remember she used to hate going to CVS or Walgreens with me, particularly because I always dressed in a way where people assumed I was working there. So they would see me shirt and tie or even a suit and people would be like, hey, where can I find, I don't know, like Vaseline. And I'm like, oh, three. And my daughter is like, you don't work here. <laughs> she would like make it clear. And I said, yes, but I can help them yeah. because, you know, um, I did 10 years in hospitality and I always would teach my staff. And I said, you can't leave hospitality at the door when you leave. You know, how you tell people don't bring home into the workplace. Yeah. I used to teach people elsewhere. I'm, uh, I would, I would teach people otherwise. I'd be like, I want you to take hospitality. If you're a real servant, if you're really looking to make the world a better place, you can't fake it for eight hours. At some moment, the reality is going to seep through. People are going to realize that you're not really hospitable, that you're not really kind, that you don't really. So I, I hold doors. I hold doors. I'm that guy at the elevator letting everyone walk in. I I don't believe in like, you know, Miami, right? 826, Palmetto, I-95. Get in the lane. That's fine. I believe hospitality is one of those lost arts where the the customer is still always right. It's about the only place where the customer is always right because act a fool at the airport, act a fool on an airplane and watch what will happen. Mm -hmm. So, and why do I mention that? Because sometimes you are you can't disassociate what you do for a living so i would find myself motivating employees at 10 o'clock at night to the chagrin of my family that's like eating dinner and they're like so you have to be unstoppable now at 10 o'clock at night you know um and you know what um it's almost as in you can't shut that personality off um so However, what I, what I will do is like I brought my kids into my 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 practice of martial arts. You know, um, my my daughter is a black belt. Um, my fourteen year old son who's a blessing. He's he's not too far from there. Still trying to get the little one into it. So to me, finding a, a discipline that lets you go within, that lets you understand. Well, why do we? Why do I react that way? Do I need to react that way? Um, it's it's important um because it's also a very so it's a very physical level of meditation when you're doing martial arts uh, and not in a competitive fashion uh, when you're there with your body you know the body has a way of forcing us to listen um pain it's one of those those things you know that's why like you know you're definitely into fitness you understand that the first thing that we can control the first plane that we can control as human beings is the physical plane and then we can go into into the mental and emotional, and hopefully, we try to get a little glimpse of the spiritual. Mm. But it starts with the physical, and um, to me, that has been since I was in my twenties. That was my discipline, my release. Um, that is another type of leadership. 
um, because everyone's body is different. Yeah. And everyone reacts differently. Te the technique is the same. You know, I'm sure you know there's a proper technique to lift X, Y, Z. But everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. So um, adaptability. Uh, so to me, I, I release um, three times a week with an average, I would say, about like, that would be maybe like five hours, six hours of Taekwondo in that week. Um, and, um, and I learn a lot about myself. I learn how to control that rage. Um, you know, uh, Taekwondo has many tenets, and, and one of them is there, there's two tenets that are super interesting in Taekwondo. Um, one of them is self control, but there's one that I love, and it's called um, in Korean, Bejok um, Bulgul, which means indomitable spirit. And yeah. an indomitable spirit doesn't lend itself to its own ego or external influences. So if you can contain. If your spirit cannot be dominated, it cannot also be dominated by your own foolishness, mm -hmm. by your own hubris, your own pride, your own ego. It also cannot be dominated by somebody else's words. In other words, they show up with those gifts, those nasty words. You don't accept them. They're still the ones holding those gifts, um, which kind of like supersedes the initial reaction to want to fight. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the mistakes I made as a leader was understanding when to stand down. <laughs> Like, like, bro, this is not your fight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those. Yeah, that's not your fight. Let it go. Like, really, like, don't sacrifice the whole platoon just to make an example. Let it yeah. go. You know, or come back, come back stronger. <laughs> come back stronger. You know. So, um, that's what that's what passion is interesting because passion, um, passion that goes unregulated, could be extremely dangerous for a leader. Um, you know. Uh, so. It's um, yeah. It's 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 and and um, I think the best thing, and maybe it's the role that that you're in, and the role that I definitely um see myself in is when your source of income is married into who you are. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer parent, spouse, boyfriend, brother, son. And you're just you. And the you that's the dad is the same you that brings the income. It's the same you that lends a hand to the neighbor. It's the same you that, you know, sees his mom on Thanksgiving or the family member. Um, because I think as humans, we become extremely comf comfortable with the idea of a dichotomous personality. Like, oh, I have a work personality and then I have my home personality. And a lot of people find a lot of pleasure of exploring an alternate personality at work. Which is kind of like the one they wish they had at home. <laughs> you know? Listen, why are why are some of the biggest jerks at work are super submissive at home? Yeah, it's uh, I I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, uh, you know uh, at they may believe in themselves a lot more at work than they do at home. Yeah. Um, also, we don't realize something, but when when you look at someone's, and by the way, once more, when you look at someone's home life, you're just basically looking at your projection of your ideas of sure. what, what you see. Sure. But let's say just for all intents and purposes, you're looking and you see somebody in a 15-year relationship and they're a family person and, and this and that. Well, they carry this label this notion this 
um, definition of who they are. But at work, they evolved a lot quicker. So sometimes is, you know, you 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 go to three jobs, you are three different managers. But you're in a 15 year plus marriage, you may be the same husband or the same wife. Um, and why is it? Because sometimes the workplace is a lot more dynamic than the household. Yeah. And, um, you know, plus in the workplace, you're, you're, you're getting constantly poured into, you know, like imagine we've all worked in places where they take us to seminars, conferences, they're constantly teaching us, mm-hmm. um, which leads you to believe that what happens if you were to invest in that level of education at home? Power couple right there, mm-hmm. right? But if you're seeing your your significant other as oh, that's a person I met like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it's like oh, whatever. I, uh, you know, I do the lawn and you know, go through routine. Yeah, you know, like so. But you know what's also interesting is um, at work, we're at least we want to think they're always getting inspired. And by the way, that idea of of getting inspired in the workplace that of that it's very American, but you don't find it in the rest of the world. Mm. You go to Europe, you go to Latin America, for sure you go to Japan. The notion, or even Korea, of like what we have of like work being a positive environment that lifts you up, that's a very American thing. You can maybe even say that's even like maybe an American or Canadian thing. But once you go to other countries, two things happen. They're okay with the idea of work not being positive, which is super toxic. Or they're okay with the idea of work not being everything. So the idea that we go to work to to reap this source of energy, we want to feel good. um, It's a little bit odd Mm -hmm. because if we were to apply that same level of interest in the home life, then we would probably get the same results that we're getting at work. Because imagine like at work, we're always dealing with different people at home. It's the same people. Um, So Mm -hmm. we have to really explore why is it that we keep joining work cultures that we don't like? First of all, because you focus on pay and not on the work culture. And second of all, uh, like once more, you may just be doing it just to have a job and realize um, you're miserable, which then you carry that. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's a, oh, yeah. it's very, it's a very interesting thing. Like, um, uh, and add to that what you listen to. If you listen to anything on the way to work, mm-hmm. um, what what media, what you read, if you even read, you know, that's because nowadays um, we, we want everything shorter. We are, we're falling prey to a shorter attention span for no reason um, to the point where if it doesn't entertain us in five seconds, we're skipping. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't imagine kids doing very well and, and, um, and, and college lectures and, and, and master lectures and all these things. It's not. Meditation needs to be put in school. One hundred percent, and I think um, I'm, I'm gonna take a line from from one of my buddies, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I admire a lot. He says, "If if you have time, you should meditate twice a day, and if you don't have time, you should meditate five times a day." <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah, that that was life changing for me. Um, so let's have a little bit of fun. Love it. All right. So this is a little game. Uh, you can call it what you want, but it's a game where um, I'm going to essentially say 
two words or two options, two choices. And you're just going to pick one. So no judgment, just whatever comes to mind. The only rule is no more than three seconds. No more than three seconds in picking it? In picking it. Do I explain why I picked it or just go to the next one? No, just go to the next one. All right, all right. Ready? All righty. Let's keep it simple first. Here we go. Pool or beach? Uh, Beach. Beach. Okay. Single family home or high rise condo? Single family home. Mm. Single family home, yeah. Okay. Comfortable home life or always on the road? Um, Comfortable home life. Mm. Comfortable home life, yeah. Okay. Peace and quiet or always stimulated? Ouch. Uh, I'll go with peace and quiet, but there's a huge Dominican side of me that says, (laughs) always stimulated, always stimulated. Yeah. 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 Light breakfast or big breakfast? Light breakfast now, 20 years ago, big breakfast. Mm. That's the truth. Like, I can't. Yeah, light breakfast now for sure. Mm. Last question for this game. Fun now or fun later? Fun now. Fun now. Fun now. Uh, and, and, and that one, why? Um, I, I've learned. So willpower and even discipline is the ability to forego pleasure now, mm-hmm. fun, or uh reward into the future which is fine but it doesn't take into account the fact that like that later may not happen mm-hmm. and um within the the responsible framework that experience by the way because because there's no fun like the fun you're gonna have now mm-hmm. because once more it brings us to the present moment um the idea that you're going to be given the option to have fun later, well, that's technically doesn't exist because mm-hmm. there's no way you can guarantee that. Like, like, for example, I had no idea you were going to ask those questions. That makes it fun. Yeah. Had I been prepped, then it would have been a lot more intellectual and not as fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, so I, I learned um late into the game the idea of um self-care um you know i used to be the type of individual that believed that self-care was taking a morning off to go get an oil change on my car mm-hmm. um or and still being available i never knew self-care would be sitting down with the barber for an hour talking bs yeah. um getting a massage or um buying a a shirt that I've been looking into for a while or reading a book or having a coffee at a coffee shop that I've never been in. Um, all these things that you're always thinking that you're going to do later and better. You never do them later and you never for sure do them better. Um, you know, that, that random lunch with that friend that you don't see often, you know, that, um, and why is that? I, I think fun now could be also seen as, as a way to deter the anxiety 
or that fear like like so i don't know if it happens to many leaders on on the on the podcast but i was always you know the the the, the sunday night blues right um the idea of you know which by the way um monday mornings is where a lot of like corporate america individuals have heart attacks because they've been building up that stress from sunday from sunday evening and that idea and and that fear and that anxiety which by the way we become addicted to it and we think it's normal um fun now is being able to be in the present moment be grateful also that you're having that that fun and something i learned recently um but it does make sense which is um you know, fear, worry, anxiety, do not live in the same place in the brain as gratitude. Mm -hmm. So just how even hip hoppers and rappers have attacked sleep, you know, I can sleep when I die, you know, like I'm, I'm up all day, no sleep, you, know. you know, all that, all that stuff, right? Um, sleeping has been kind of like labeled socially as selfish. Oh, it's lazy. Or lazy. Lazy. Yeah. yeah, you're lazy. You know, like you what do you mean you get nine hours of sleep? Man, like don't like, oh, I can no. Like hmm. gratitude. You can't be grateful for something that you yourself are destroying. And you're destroying yourself. You're you're not resting. You know, um, you're you're not recharging. You're you're you know, back in the 90s. Um, you probably remember computers used to do a defragmentation mm -hmm. and it would be like little blocks and it looked like a, like a colorful Tetris. Mm -hmm. But we do that too when we sleep. If we get enough REM, which we get a lot more creative. Um, so to me, the notion of fun now in a responsible way as gratitude for being alive. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you and I once spoke about gratitude being the, the lubricant of the universe. Um, and how the breathing part pattern changes when we start being grateful, when we start being thankful. Um, Your breathing changes completely. Yes. Um, it you know the the so for for all all of you listening in, really start looking into the breathing modalities. There's even talks about individuals who tape their mouth at night so as not to breathe through the mouth. Mm. There's mouth tape. It's all these things. I'm. I'm uh, as a result of um, going into my next journey, yeah. my quest has been self-care. Um, these breathing modalities, they kind of like uh, defeat your, uh, your, your your sympathetic nervous system, which is the one that wants you to defend yourself, which is the one that brings the shoulders up and, and that stiffness. And, and you're breathing here on like babies that, that, that breathe like in their lower bellies. Um, so... A lot of things are being, a lot of people are talking about cold plunging and saunas and all those things, but breath work, which by the way, there's not a lot of talk about it because it's freaking free, <laughs> you know, um, but if you realize how aggressive individuals are um, and they're not breathing. So whenever you see two people screaming at each other, um, so what, one of the things that I love about like cultures and languages and religions is I really like to go in depth as to how they think, because every culture, every religion has a different thought about humanity. And, and in Sufi Islam, they have this idea 
that the reason people scream at each other when they're like in a fight is because their hearts know that they've been estranged and they're at a distance. And it's almost like they're trying to like, like, hey, I'm here. Like, I'm not as far away as you think. And that that aggression, that anxiety um, comes from a lack of, of, of proper breathing. It also comes from a lack of proper nutrition. You know, serotonin, um, I believe, gets um, into the brain through the vagus nerve. And, and that has to do a lot with, like, which bacteria in our gut we decide to feed. You know, I heard something silly the other day about a guy saying, well, you know, there's no point in eating lettuce. There's no point in eating that stuff. It has no nutritional value. It has no caloric value. But there are bacteria in your gut that are obsessed with fiber. And they need it. So. The phytonutrients. Yeah. Yeah. That's in, it. in grains. Yeah. We're so obsessed with calories yeah. and protein. You, you're, you're never going to see a sad person that's actually nutritionally well-fed. Mm-hmm. It's and, and the mistake that we make in the industrialized world is, well, I take supplements, I do this, I work out, you know. Um, because, by the way, as, uh, as, uh, as leaders, the more go-getter you are, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So what, what do most CEOs and VPs do? They they cut in until their sleep time. Yeah. And and that generates a whole plethora of, of, of other issues. But um yeah, like literally dealing with that anxiety by just being present. So so fun now, health now, care for yourself now, you know, say that I love you now. You know, like 100 percent, you you never know when that loved one, when that best friend is going to move out. They just had a better job opportunity. And someone it's not that you took them for granted, but you thought they were always going to be there. Um, Like it's nothing weird with that. God bless you. There's 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 tell that person, hey, man, I miss you. Hey, um, remember when we were kids and we used to do this? you know, less phone. And for those of you that are parents and you play with your kids, there's studies about how your kids react as they're playing with you if you have the phone in your hand. It's like that that one is incredible. And that's one of the things where, like, you know how we always want to be young? Yeah. I I wouldn't want to be in my 20s in this time of day, in this time and age, because I at least grew up in a time where by the way, you are never creative while you're having fun. It's very interesting. Boredom is the precursor to creativity. So if you eliminate the possibilities of any child of being connected to any type of medium, depending on where they are and depending on how like dopamine addicted they are, yeah. they will resort to actually entertaining themselves. Noises, musics, climbing. Being kids, right? Which is like in Dominican Republic, I remember being at my grandma's house every weekend. They wouldn't let me stay in the house. You had to go outside and play. You could only come back when lunch was ready. And no kid ever objected to that. Hmm. The idea that you were going to sit down and watch cartoons on a Saturday morning in DR was obscene. You're going to go outside and play baseball. You're going to go outside and play tag. You're going to go outside and then you're going to come back during lunch. And then every kid, and this is like legit on my block, 
like in my grandma's neighborhood, we would be like holding our head over the fence to see which other kid was sticking their head out. And that was like the uncommunicated signal that it's time for the afternoon playtime, which we would only go back home around seven for dinner. Yeah. And you wonder how will we stay hydrated? Well, in DR, like any household, like in your neighborhood that you knock down and you ask for water, like it would be given to you. It was like a thing. So literally playtime, four or five, six hours in the day. Um, Because honestly, I've, I've been doing this thing um, since I've had a lot of free time in the past couple of weeks where I'm showing my kids movies that I used to see when I was their age. And honestly, I look at them and I'm like, why was this so funny? It was like the plot wasn't even good. Like, like, like I see movies now and I'm like, well, these movies are really good. They have so much detail. And I said to myself, you know what? That's because we didn't need it because we had a whole level of imagination to fill in the Swiss cheese holes. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like literally. And I was like, wow, uh, to me, um, that's that's one of those things like. Uh, be be there now, be there now. They they. You know, they remember the time you spend with them, the the experiences, those journeys. They don't remember the gifts. They never remember the, you know, they remember the trips, but not like the expensive hotel. They remember like those are things they remember. That's I don't even do that. Yeah. When I when me when I travel with the kids, we stay at a three star. And yeah. inside, I'm like, this is terrible. Like, this, <laughs> this ain't it. But the kids are having the time. They love of, it. And they don't, they want to, to the point where I did this, that was it last year or beginning of this year, we went to Disney. And during that time, for maybe that month or whatever, income wasn't great, right? So we, but we had been promising them to go to Disney for, man, probably a year and a half or two years. So I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. And we ended up staying at a three star. And I'm like, this because uh, I'm all um, you know, my ego I and mean, mm. I'm, I'm all bougie. They rushed to leave the theme park. They were around four o'clock, they were like, let's go back to the hotel. They rushed leaving Disney World, the most exciting place on earth, to go back to the three star hotel and play on their playground and use the swings and use their creativity. They wanted to do that. That is that is, that is is interesting. And that blew my mind. Well, remember also our notion of comfort yeah. is very different than a child's. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's, very, it's very different. Coming from hotels, um, I always studied the fact that limited service hotels, 100 rooms or less, they usually get it right a lot more often than the larger scale hotels, which is which that's, that's really interesting. Um, it, it's and also maybe it's a lot of like stimulation, right? Overstimulation and the and the and the and the theme parks. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. and they include in that three star spot, they had free breakfast every morning and you had the waffles in the shape of the characters and they they loved the food they just loved the whole experience i mean shout out to the lady dressed as a character who looked miserable like she didn't want to be there <laughs> during, during breakfast in the princess oh, outfit my God. Like, oh. and, uh, <laughs> and, 
this <laughs> this is bad and but besides that they loved it and i'm like man when i go out of town i'm like four and a half star i'm looking at the reviews i'm going through and i don't like the tubs I like the shower and I'm you want the I'm, modern look you yeah, want the modern and look. I'm looking for the TVs and whatever and mm. even if I'm going by myself right I'm like no but I needed to I needed to feel clean hmm. even if it may not be right? right I just want the appearance I just want it to feel clean so that I guess my spirit can relax like okay this is it. this is this is home for a little bit where right. they're just like we have each each other. We can order pizza and eat some yeah. French fries, whatever, and just run around. We're in the expensive spots, and we got to keep it down. You know, that's, that's probably it's probably boring. It's probably boring. It's stuffy. It's stuffy. It's stuffy. That that is funny. That crazy. is funny. Um, so, in in closing, I want to touch on two two small points. Um, and then we'll be back. So I know we spoke a lot about leadership. Um, and in a couple sentences, um, we met at a point where you were maybe at a crossroads, right? And from the external, right? Outwardly, folks may look at you and say, man, I want that. I aspire to have that, right? That is success. Mm. I'm grinding so I can become that. And you were at this crossroads where you felt drawn to something higher beyond the physical. True. And you weren't really, you weren't necessarily sure what labels to put on it, but you were like, man, Blade, I, I just feel, I feel like there's more. Right, like this here, this isn't it, right? There's mm. there's more. That is true. Um so in that space, in that feeling, um in essence, what broke you and what and or what woke you up? Oh uh, wow. Great, great questions. And he says in a couple of sentences, and he's, uh, what I, what I, what I would say is, um, we, so the workplace organizations that we work for, those are relationships and some relationships do expire. Um, when you think about work culture, some work culture no longer resonates with you. And, and that's the, the mistake is to go against that. The, 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 the correct thing is to be more in tune. In other words, whether you call it people pleasing, whether you call it, you know, subscribing to a particular level of your definition of success, when you stop listening to yourself, when things stop resonating with you, you almost become this sheepish individual that is super unhappy. And um, it's great to love your team, but it's really weird to love your team and kind of like dislike the organization you're working in. Mm -hmm. And when you ask the question, what broke it for you or what what made you feel like, you know what, like you didn't want to be encapsulated. It's, it's, it's like it's been a thought that I've had for years. I've been working on this. 
And the phrase that's, that came to my head at that moment when you said it was, you know, bet on yourself. You will never go wrong betting on yourself. You will never go wrong because that level of excitement is in the present moment. You have no idea how many years I've dreamt of being with someone and two mics. Mm. Talking about life. Um, mm. I'm going to say I manifested this. I, I, you know that I told you, I saw you online. I saw you on LinkedIn. I wanted to talk to you. And I said, so what's holding you back? Nothing. Let me reach out. And at that moment when I met you, I was telling you things were like, you know, I was getting messages. Yeah. Um, my ability to connect with people was incredible. I always had the ability to inspire and motivate, which by the way, Leaders, we also need motivation. Just keep that in mind. We can't motivate ourselves. Leaders need leaders. Yeah. Coaches need coaches. Yes. So even even presidents mm -hmm. get coaches. Mm -hmm. Think about that. At you know, star athletes, mm -hmm. they they don't have it figured out. They have coaches. We can all subscribe to getting coaching. Um, but I was, you know, I said to myself, like, if you if you force yourself to remain in an environment that is no longer resonating with the definition of who you are now, and that environment may have elevated you to that level, sure. then you will be doing yourself a disservice, forcing yourself to stay there. Because it's almost as if you're running away from what you, from the dream you actually created. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, um, one day I was running, I was working out, I went to work, and I was told, well, you know, this is your last day. And I said, I receive it. <laughs> I receive it. Um, because also I was very grateful of, of, of everything I had learned up to then in that organization, yeah. which was a blessing and continues to be a blessing. Actually, I met you in a indirect way through that organization myself. So the message is if you want to break free, break free, but break free by betting on yourself. Don't break free into like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Like, bet, bet on yourself. We all, like, that's what I believe is unstoppable DNA, this idea that we wake up and our DNA and our cells are just there, 30 plus, 40 trillion cells just spying on our thoughts. So what are you going to do? I'm going to bet on myself. This is what we do when we wake up. We bet on ourselves. If not, believe me, this this conscious energy that's the universe, that's God, then what will be the point of waking up? Like, we, when we bet on ourselves, Everything starts working. Everything starts connecting. Everything starts making sense. Everything is an important lesson. Um, it's ups and downs, but betting on yourself, like really, really, really bet on, bet on yourself and, and, and be grateful for everything and everyone that you have clashed or connected with. Because by the way, the universe has interesting vehicles of lessons and, and every lesson comes at a tuition. That tuition may have come in the form of a obnoxious colleague. Mm -hmm. That tuition may have come in the form of a belittling boss. That tuition may have come in the form of a, a incredibly harsh department head or regional director. Um, because by the way, the the great and warm and, and friendly people that show up in our lives, very nice. Sometimes we don't learn much from them. Mm -hmm. 
because in a way they, you know, when you meet somebody who's like, oh my God, Blaze, you're incredible. You're great. You're this, you're that. Yeah, it fills up your ego, fills up your self-esteem. Well, what did they teach you? You know, so when when in life you, you meet those people and you go in a workplace, obviously avoid a toxic work culture. But if you meet these people, you know, give thanks. Give thanks, you know, like, because as a result of that, I got better. As a result of that, I, I went and ventured into getting that promotion. Um, I, I, I read a little bit more. Or I actually saw a pattern not to follow. So I think um, what really broke it for me was I just started getting signs everywhere. And I'm like, I can't ignore them. I I need to take this and message to people. They were, yes. They were, they were, they were always <laughs> Whether there. Whether we see them or yeah. not. Whether we're they ready were, to receive them. They were always there. And 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 they and these signs were. And, and it's a calling. You use that word when we when we first met. And it's this calling to to help people. Um, I always felt like I had that covenant where you're gonna be put in incredible situations, employment wise, but you have to pour into people. How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna inspire them? How are you gonna motivate them? Um, and I feel myself incredibly fortunate yeah. as a result of all that. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love That's that. A, 100th episode. <laughs> wow. Were you 100. not entertained? Were wow. you not fulfilled? Oof. Right here on the Blaze Align podcast. We are streaming on all your audio platforms from your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, Spotify. Check out this episode and the other 99 episodes. And we also have a sub-series called 111 Questions, where I ask a question, I speak to myself. Yes, geniuses speak to themselves, and they answer themselves. That's how we get the answers. But in any case, it's called 111 Questions, and I ask a question, and I answer the question. And sometimes it's speaking to me, and I got to hold back tears. Sometimes it's something that I just went through right then and there, and I'm like, oh, I have to share this. Uh, so check those out as well on the Blazer Line podcast. And before we leave, before I say all the peace and love and shout outs and all of that, always remember that you are here for a reason. And that that situation is there for a reason. And that those people are around you for a reason. No matter how much you elevate in life, the goal is not peace and quiet. The goal is not zero conflicts. Even if you move to that country on that island and you have that farm and you're wrestling with pigs, there will still be conflict in some form. You'll never be able to run from that conflict. We need it. We need those lessons. In the less, in feeling like you're less than, there is a lesson. Indeed. With that said, Blaze got purpose. Juan got purpose. Amen. And guess what? So do you. Peace and love.